BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, it was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. With dozens of wildfires burning tens of thousands of acres across California and forcing evacuations, Governor Gavin Newsom has declared a state of emergency. He says every available resource is being deployed to keep communities safe. Federal money will also be used to fight fires in Monterey, Napa, and Nevada counties. Meanwhile, a flex alert will be in place today from 3 to 10 p.m. People are asked to voluntarily conserve electricity to stave off possible rolling blackouts. Governor Newsom has also signed a bill into law requiring California State University students to take an ethnic studies class in order to graduate. KQED's Vanessa Arangano has more. Professor and former dean of San Francisco State's College of Ethnic Studies, Kenneth Montero, advocated for the requirement for years. He says the need is clear. K through graduating with a Ph.D. in the United States, a student can go without learning anything about the intellectual traditions or achievements of anyone who's not white. That's part of why the governor's decision feels like such a huge victory for people like Sacramento State education professor Margarita Berta Avila, who organized students and faculty in support of the law. The hope there is that, especially in light of the movement in which we're in right now with Black Lives Matter, that this continues to foster the foundation and the grounding and the principles needed for a world not only in the present, but in the future that counters racism. The new law goes into effect starting with students graduating in 2024-2025. It supersedes an ethnic studies and social justice requirement approved by CSU leaders recently, which faculty like Berta Avila and Montero criticized as watered down. For the California Report, I'm Vanessa Rancaño. CSU also opposed the new ethnic studies law, arguing it gave the legislature too much power in crafting higher education curriculum. 263 California delegates were awarded to Joe Biden as he was officially nominated for president at last night's Democratic National Convention. KQED politics reporter Guy Marzarati has more on the Californians who took center stage at last night's virtual event. 
L.A. Supervisor Hilda Solis was joined by Oakland Congresswoman Barbara Lee on a beach in San Pedro to tout Joe Biden's commitment to environmental justice. Joe Biden's plan to crack down on polluters to protect our air and water is about environmental justice and economic justice. The environmental justice movement's focus on the impacts of climate change and pollution on black and brown communities has been championed by Lee and Solis for decades. But it's largely been missing from Biden's record as a senator and his work as vice president to invest in clean energy. Now he's making it a central pitch of his platform, says Solis. He'll prioritize equity and bring new clean energy jobs to black and brown neighborhoods because that is how we build back better. Biden is calling for 40 percent of clean energy benefits to go toward disadvantaged communities, and he wants the Department of Justice to crack down on polluters. Earlier in the evening, Long Beach Mayor Robert Garcia got a national platform in the party's keynote address, typically reserved for rising talent. In recent weeks, Garcia lost his mother and stepfather to COVID-19, and he took aim at President Trump's response to the pandemic. When we're facing the biggest economic and health crisis in generations, because our president didn't and still doesn't have a plan. Tonight, all eyes will be on California Senator Kamala Harris, who will deliver her address as Biden's vice presidential nominee. For the California Report, I'm Guy Marzarati. And another Californian spoke at the Democratic convention last night, but he wasn't an elected official. Santa Barbara resident Adi Barkin is a nationally known advocate for universal health care. Because he's afflicted with advanced ALS, which has left him paralyzed, Barkin spoke with the assistance of a computer-generated voice. We live in the richest country in history, and yet we do not guarantee this most basic human right. Everyone living in America should get the health care they need, regardless of their employment status or ability to pay. That's health care reform advocate Adi Barkin speaking last night at the Democratic National Convention. In other news, public health officials and legal experts are reacting to the recent Office of Inspector General report that finds weaknesses in the way state prison officials initially handled the pandemic. KQD Shannon Lynn has more. According to the report, 5% of staff at seven prisons said they were not always screened before entering. In addition, some staff reported issues with their thermometers and said some screeners were not properly trained. Inspectors criticized CDCR for its, quote, vague screening directives, leaving some facilities to implement their own screening protocols. That's a concern, says Marin County Health Officer Dr. Matt Willis, because catching cases early on could have prevented more widespread infection. You know, our outbreak here in Marin was born in another institution in Southern California. So those practices did have a huge impact on our experience as a county. Legal experts like Danica Rodermel, an attorney with San Francisco's Public Defender's Office, are also criticizing CDCR for withholding information regarding staff who have tested positive for COVID-19. It's further evidence that CDCR doesn't believe they need to respect the authority of other state agencies or experts. Throughout the pandemic, we've seen them by local health officials, public health experts, the state legislature, and now the inspector general. CDCR cited privacy concerns but says it will comply with the OIG's order. For the California Report, I'm Shannon Lynn. In response to the spread of the coronavirus behind prison walls, California is releasing thousands of state prisoners early. Those getting freed are generally nonviolent offenders with less than a year left on their sentences. But once they are free, are enough community reentry programs in place to help these thousands find shelter, work, and drug or mental health counseling? 
Well, no, says Judith Tata, executive director of the California Reentry Program. It provides help to newly released prisoners from San Quentin. We spoke yesterday. So the problem here is that many of these people were already transient when they went into the system. And they might have had mental health issues. They might have had substance abuse uh, treatment needs that were not met originally. And the system was already broken before. Releasing thousands of people into this broken system is not helping anybody. And I'm not saying that we should not be releasing people. I, I don't think prisons are a replacement for social services, mental health services, substance abuse services. We should be letting people out. But the system on the outside is simply not adequate. So you're saying, hey, it's hard enough to be a formerly incarcerated person who's been released from prison and is trying to assimilate back into society. But trying to do that during a pandemic is that much more difficult. Yeah, with the coronavirus, people are closing transitional homes. They're closing facilities. They're closing, um, you know, employment centers. So all the needed services are also reduced, scaled back. So if there's not a strong safety net in place, should the prospect of thousands of people getting out of prison early at around the same time alarm Californians? I doubt very much that there is any worry about increased crime, because I think that is people's immediate concern. So I don't think that should be a concern. What I do think will be a concern is uh, possibly increased homelessness, because we do have a housing crisis and we do have crisis with availability of services. So while there is, um, while there surely is uh, a place for concern, I think the the concern might be misplaced. Okay. Judith Tonta, Executive Director of the California Reentry Program, thanks so much. You're welcome. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus... You'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. We've told you many times on this show how the Central Valley has been a hot spot for COVID infections in the state. But Governor Gavin Newsom says trends in that region are now headed in the right direction. KQED's Katie Yor has more. The COVID situation in the Central Valley got so bad that Newsom deployed special strike teams at the end of July to help fight the virus in eight counties. Now, he says those efforts may be paying off. Every single one of those counties has seen a modest decline in total number of cases. A number of 
counties in particular doing better than others, Kings, Madera, some others, are not doing as well yet as we would like to see. But good progress in the Central Valley. And as numbers trend down across the state, counties will start looking at reopening businesses. Newsom says his administration will have guidance on how to safely reopen in the coming days. For the California Report, I'm Katie Orr in Sacramento. Staying on the pandemic, California has cleared its backlog of COVID-19 test records and now has accurate statewide numbers, including about 4,600 new cases reported Monday. This is all according to Dr. Mark Galley, California's Health and Human Services Secretary. He also says the state is working on replacing its problem plague system for keeping track of COVID-19 data. Galley, who's a pediatrician, also expressed concerns over a roughly one-third drop in childhood vaccination rates for all diseases compared to last year. We hope to use the next eight to 10 weeks really before we start to see flu season become a more credible risk to catch up on this. And Galley says it is important for everyone to get flu vaccines as well to avoid burdening the healthcare system as flu season overlaps with the coronavirus pandemic later this year. Even as California's nursing homes remain a hotspot for the spread of the coronavirus, the state Supreme Court has ruled that residents who sue their homes are limited to just $500 in monetary compensation, no matter how many violations were committed by the facilities. The 5-2 ruling dealt with the interpretation of a 1982 statute involving civil lawsuits and patients' rights. The majority on the state's high court argued nursing home residents could still sue for greater compensation under other laws. The justices and the minority argued the ruling made the 1982 law, quote, toothless. And that is the California Report for Wednesday, August 19th, a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Thanks for listening. Stay safe out there and have a great day. Support for the California Report comes from the California Earthquake Authority urging Californians to prepare to survive and recover from the next damaging earthquake. Learn more at earthquakeauthority.com. The California Healthcare Foundation, acknowledging the vital work of local public health departments to keep Californians safe during the pandemic. On the web at chcf.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment, just societies, and opportunities for human achievement. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. 
Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts.